You're listening to audio from Kingsway Christian Church. If you'd like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit kingswaychurch.org. Welcome to A Step Further. My name is Andy Lynch, Connections Pastor here at Kingsway Christian Church. We're so glad you have joined us here once again today as we're working through the series, This I Know. And as I mentioned last week in the podcast, it's the podcast, we're going to have kind of a combination this month. Uh, it'll be a combination of some basic study tools for you. So how do we study the Bible? How do we pray? Some basic things that maybe some of us need to go back to and, and really realize uh, we need to get started before we can go deeper. We need to have that time with God before we can really debate with our friends or, or go into those intellectual conversations. We need the Holy Spirit working first before we can do it in our own strength. But then we also want to tackle some of those deeper uh, topics. And today is one of those days as Kyle Krober, our outreach pastor, joins us. And uh, Kyle, I know apologetics is something close to your heart. I guess, how did you get into it first? First, and then what What exactly is it? For some, pe- some people that might say apologetics, what am I apologizing for? I don't know what's wrong. Uh, you're exactly right. And I was in that same boat. So let me, I'll first preface this by saying, I have no degree in this stuff. I did not go to college to study. <laughs> I'm not a scholar. I didn't go to seminary. Um, I know how to YouTube and Google and read. Mm-hmm. And so I have just on my own, just, just searched out some things because um, there was uh, an event in my life. Um, I've been a stay home dad and um, was in a, a, a friendship with another stay-at-home dad who was an atheist. I did not know that. And so we just start getting into conversation, and all of a sudden I'm getting hit with questions that I've really never had to deal with before because my whole life I grew up surrounded by a Christian family. Praise God. I mean, I'm thankful for my upbringing. And, and you mentioned earlier this I know. It's hilarious because one of the notes I wrote down right here was the old Bible song yep. that we knew, children's song, Jesus yep. loves me, this I know. Or the Bible tells me so. Mm-hmm. And my whole life, growing up through high school and into college, the Bible tells me so. And that's my source. And so for the first time, I had someone say, well, I mean, dude, the Bible's not real. There's no, you still trust that mm-hmm. book? And I'm like, holy smokes, you just tried to like hack at my foundation, and what are you doing? You know. And I, did, I felt in that moment ill-equipped, standing in a park in Plainfield, talking to my buddy while our kids play, <laughs> to, to answer these questions. And so it got me digging. And so I thought, man, I've got to... I don't just believe because the Bible. And so I think every Christian needs to wrestle with these, with these questions of how do we know the Bible is true? Mm. You know, is there evidence for God outside of the Bible? Because anybody can say, well, I don't believe the Bible. So what else you got? You know, and so that's what sent me on this journey. And so your question, what is apologetics? So um, again, this sounds very pastoral. Anytime you say it's Greek for it. Well, it is. So <laughs> what, it, the, the word apology is Greek and it means to give a defense. Mm. And so Christian apologetics is basically just a a defending of the faith. And I want to make a distinction. It is not evangelism. Hmm. So for anyone thinking, well, I have to know this to evangelize, you don't. You know the gospel. You have the Holy Spirit in you. This is only for people that um, need some more. Like, like atheists, like they just, they need more. They don't see it right away. Maybe the spirit's just not cultivated that, that readiness to accept and receive the gospel. So you, you don't need apologetics to become a Christian. The gospel is enough. And so, and, and the Holy Spirit uses that. But for those that we may say maybe harder cases, or you need to keep chipping away at the ice and answer their questions. And, and so scripture talks to that. So I want to share this and and we, it's a common sense, logical approach, Hmm. um, apologetics. And so in first Peter 3.15, it says, in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. And a lot of times it stops there. 
But there's another part. And the next part says, do this with gentleness and respect. Oh, wow. Gentleness and respect. And so um, this is kind of a, a big debate in the apologetics world is you, you are not getting into apologetics because you enjoy conflict and confrontation and debate and arguing. Like that's for another stage. The whole point for apologetics is to bring in some other sources, some other ideas, some other evidences of creation for people to think about, to consider Jesus just outside of the Bible, for them to go, oh, okay, yeah. So you, the, the point is you're pointing them to Jesus. That's the goal. It's yeah. not to win an argument and say, see, the universe is not just a big bang, you know. So anyway, I, I love that approach that it's just supplying more. So, and in the culture we live in, we live in a very anti-Christian culture. Right. They question everything, and rightfully so. And I think another uh, position that I kind of took um, – defense not I wasn't defending um, my faith I was I was almost being defensive mm. initially because I felt insecure in my answers yeah. I didn't know how to give a good answer to my friend who was asking uh, clearly he had thought about this stuff but I hadn't because the Bible tells me so so I just believe it right you know and so I'm having to wrestle through these things um, and so I want to read there, there is a section of a book here uh, William Lane Craig is an, a guy just great theologian and, and apologist but I just want to read this little Uh, section of his book um, in Reasonable Faith. It says, apologetics training is a tremendous boost to evangelism, for nothing inspires confidence and boldness more than knowing that one has good reasons for what one believes and good answers to the typical questions and objections that the unbeliever may raise. Some or sound training in apologetics is one of the keys to fearless evangelism. In this and many other ways, apologetics helps to build up the body of Christ by strengthening individual believers. Now, again, I'm not saying every Christian has to have apologetics. It's just a good tool to have that can build confidence. Yeah. If you get in those in those you know uh, conversations that you feel like, man, they're they're wanting some more, needing some more. Um, and so scripture, you know, says we need to be prepared. Mm. So if we're unprepared, then it makes it seem like we don't know what we believe. A word that came to mind as you were talking was combative. Our culture is combative. They're always about things like like religion, like politics. You know, they're combative. I want to be right, and this is why I believe it. How do we attempt to diffuse that when we're headed into a situation with somebody? Maybe your friend's an example. You know, was he combative or, or was he willing to listen and have reasonable conversation, like you said? Yeah, no, uh, in this case, my friend wasn't combative. And I, I don't think in most cases, uh, people that are that are uh, genuinely willing to learn and grow and have a conversation, it, it's not going to be combative. Yeah. And I would say, um, I wouldn't even enter into a conversation with someone that's combative mm. because their heart and mind is already set. They're not open. Yeah. They're not open. Yeah. And so if you get into a conversation where you're, you sense they're combative and just like, you know, dude, they're not going to move from their position. Mm-hmm. I would just say, Hey man, let's, I'd love to talk to you about this. Let's do it another time when we can like sit down and just have a, you know, a chill conversation and just be, um, you know, do it in a, in a calm environment with the goal of just learning and listening. But so you got to kind of know your environment, know the person. Um, I would be really hesitant to get into a, an, I'm not going to get an argument with yeah. somebody about that. That's a really good word. I, I was reading letters f- uh, from a skeptic. Oh yeah, it's good. It's one of the resources. And in the, in the show notes, you can find different links and different uh, resources that Kyle has taken a look at. And I've, I've got a couple as well. And in that book, He quotes Blaine Pascal, the great philosopher. And Blaine said, God gives enough light. And my phone just went dark. Isn't that Mm. ironic? God gives enough light to enlighten the elect, enough darkness to blind 
the reprobates. Mm. So those that truly are seeking, God's going to give the light in that situation. And so what a great, uh, what, what a great tool of wisdom. If that person's not ready to, to enter into a calm conversation, then, then you're just praying that you can love them, right? right? Love your neighbor. I mean, that's where it's going to start. We're not ready for that deeper conversation. And if God brings uh, enough light into their heart, then, then that conversation will come. But I think mm. that would give people freedom that I don't have to, I don't have to go against the, the angry hater on Facebook or on Instagram. Right. I'm going, I'm, I'm going to have conversations with those that are open. And yep. so uh, that's something you love to do. I know. Yeah, and I think the key is to view them how God views them. You know, our battle is not against flesh and blood. I'm not here. To, I'm not against this person. They're they're just being deceived, and we know that um, we suppress the truth, the truth and unrighteousness. And so, a lot of it is a suppression of truth. They just keep suppressing it, and we know from Scripture that um, God has set eternity in our hearts. So all men know that we are eternal beings. And it gets, I mean, we can go way deeper and I won't do that now, but um, <laughs> atheists and people that don't believe in God, they live their lives as if there is a God, but yet they're denying his existence wow. because they still, they believe, um, again, we won't follow rabbit trails, but you know, they believe that going into a high school and shooting up 50 students is wrong. Right. They would say that's evil. That's wrong. Okay. As a Christian, I would say, so what? So what that they did that? I mean, to them, to make, to cause them to think. Gotcha. Because ultimately, without a biblical worldview, anyone that does not have a foundation on Scripture has no ultimate justification for morality mm -hmm. or to say that anything is right or wrong. Hitler was just acting on his DNA. It, he was just doing what his opinion was. Mm -hmm. So to him, he was right. But so who are you to say that Hitler was right or wrong? Because everything is subjective. So we get into you know, truth, absolute truth versus mm. subjective truth. Yeah. Subjective truth is, is just a, it's kind of a goofy position. And when you, when you keep questioning it and coming back around, I mean, it's just like the, you know, the whole comment of, well, what's true for you but not for me? You say, well, is that true? <laughs> I look, there's an absolute truth right there. You're making a statement. You know? So it really is. You really want to question what they're bringing to you as well. Um, but I want to read the scripture too. So in Romans 1.20, it says, For since the creation of the world... God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made so that man or people are without excuse. So we know already there's, and I think one of the things I mentioned earlier, I went, I was defensive initially because I didn't feel like I had, how do I answer someone that's really questioning, questioning, questioning. I didn't have the answers. I want to give answers, answers, answers. And, um, I, I think I, I leaned on, um, the idea that, um, God is, he's not wringing his hands in heaven going, oh man, I, I didn't give enough evidence. I should have given more. My people, you know, they don't, they don't have enough. Right. Uh, and, and I've even heard my friends say, man, if, he, if God would just, you know, write in the sky, hey, I'm here, I love you, you know, uh, would, you, would you do that? Um, and then we, we, I, started, I questioned him on that. I said, okay, would you really believe that? Well, the way the YouTube is, and I said, what if, what if that happened over another part of the world and someone got it on video? Well, they could doctor it and edit that. I said, see, it's, you know, we, right. everyone wants a sign. Mm -hmm. And even Jesus addressed that. You know, he said, I've already given you a sign. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, so signs, people ask for signs, but that's right. not, that's not going to convince. You're just, you're wanting something, you're grasping for something, but your heart, again, is not, is not ready for that. So I think just being patient with people whenever you have um, non-believers you're talking to and, and fielding their questions. But um, there are just some real good questions that have helped equip me, equip me a little bit okay. um, that, that have been um, just helpful helpful, I think. So, and the, the idea of truth, yeah. absolute versus relative truth, that, that's a good one to get into. And again, you're just asking people, there's a funny clip on YouTube. Um, 
that there's a guy that's on college campuses that is dealing with truth. And he started with the, you know, gender is a big thing in our culture right now, mm-hmm. more than just male and female and the spectrum and whole kind of thing. So he's asking university students, um, and he, he looks like me. He's probably a Caucasian, five foot ten guy, 175 pounds. Okay. And he walks up to students and says, what if I told you I was a six foot six Italian woman? What would you say to that? And the students, they're hemming and hawing. Yeah. They didn't know what to say to that. And it sounds silly because you can clearly see. But, you know, again, that goes back to the subjective truth. We, we're, we're, we'll never be willing to say that is absolutely wrong. Hitler, what he did is absolutely 100% all the time wrong. Right. And, but we're just not willing to go there. And so if there is an absolute standard of truth, where does that come from? Mm. Why, why is it that it's in your heart, unbeliever, that you sense that? Right. You're living as if a God exists, but you're denying the power of that. I'm just, I'm just, you know, accepting the power, mm-hmm. uh, knowing where it came from. Um, another argument kind of that people say, you know, the, um, the universe, oh, well, we know the universe is billions and billions and billions of years old. And, um, but science has proven that, that something can't come from nothing. Mm-hmm. So we, uh, scientists, even atheists, they know that there was a beginning that even at the, at the beginning, um, that there, there had to be something that created the start of the universe, because here we are, we can't deny that we're here. Yeah. And so where do we come from? That's a question everyone has to wrestle with. Where do we come from? And I love Frank Turek. He goes on college campuses and, and many times he answers this question. And, and he's a Christian. And he says, guys, I believe in the Big Bang. And it kind of gets quiet. Like, what? He goes, I just know who banged it. You know, <laughs> I love that quote. He's like, that's not a question for me. Like, there has to be someone that is outside of time and space and eternity that has created these things and, and that is moral because obviously he's in relationship with us. And so when you start saying, not even the Christian God, we're just trying to say, okay, what's evidence outside of scripture for a God? And, and one of those arguments, this is kind of the, the, they call it the cosmological argument. It's that the universe had a beginning. And, and again, we know that atheist scientists can confirm this. So it had a cause. And so I just said, you know, so who caused it? Right. We know, so I would say, well, I know who banged it. So the universe had a cause. And so if the universe had a cause, it had to be outside of space, outside of time. Out, it's immaterial. It, it's uncaused and it's powerful. And it's relational. It's moral because we're here on earth and we sense that. Mm-hmm. And so you're saying not the Christian God, but so well, it points to a being, to right. a God. Okay, so are we willing to concede that, man, there had to be some creator because we, we agree even scientifically that we can't just have something from nothing. Yeah. So getting people to kind of just wrestle with that and just dialogue about that and their thoughts. And that's why I love the book. It starts to bring the title of the book, I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist, into <laughs> light. It's like, oh, wow, that does sound a little bit more unreasonable yeah. to believe that we're all here out of random chance nothing, you know, yeah. as opposed to a, a creator. And then you just look at the order of things. Mm-hmm. So, out, again, outside of Scripture, you look around at um, gravity, the water cycle, the air that we breathe, the distance from the sun. Mm-hmm. There seems to be design and order. We have sunrise. We have sunset every day. Um, we have seasons that are predictable. Well, is that all just random? And one of the analogies is if you just take apart a watch and throw it into a shoebox and shake it up for a million years, it'll never come together as a watch, but all the parts are even there. You know, So even statistically, they say that the odds of a watch coming together are greater than what we even have on Earth, yeah. the statistically, you know, of that coming together. So you can go... All sorts of ways, but I just want to toss it just a couple of examples of some conversations that you could have. And then, you know, the moral argument I touched on a little mm-hmm. bit of you got to have some sort of standard to justify morality um, that others just don't have apart from Christ. So I have just really enjoyed kind of digging into these things and growing in my own faith. And it does, like I said, you don't need apologetics to bring people to Jesus. 
But as a believer, it helps, especially in this world, and even as kids, it helps you to um, feel a little bit more equipped. My, I, I didn't even realize that I was teaching my kids apologetics because they would come to me and as kids do, as we do as adults, they would break things. <laughs> or they tried to catch a fish one day from the pond next to our house and they wanted to make that fish their pet. And so they put it in a bucket and within a day it died and they caught another fish and they named it Charles number two and they put it in a bucket and it died. And my answer to them so many times was everything dies, everything breaks. And I didn't realize that what I was communicating was an anti-evolutionary principle. But mm. when we look around, our houses break down, our cars break down, our bodies break down. Nothing is getting better. Nothing is improving just on its own. And yet that's what evolution teaches us is that, oh, just give it enough time and things will get better and things will progress in a positive manner. But looking at it with our own eyes, mm. that's that's just not the case. Right. And, and that's another rabbit trail you go down. I mean, it's another argument, the um, macroevolution versus microevolution changes within a species versus mm. like an elephant changing to a fish. I mean, there's just whole good arguments to read about. But I wanted to kind of close up with this thought. This is, again, another um, section of The Reasonable Faith by William Lane Craig. But um, it's kind of addressing students, um, this age group. But, man, we can apply it to ourselves for sure here. Um, and it says this. It says, um, Christian teenagers are intellectually assaulted every with every manner of non-Christian worldview coupled with an overwhelming relativism. If parents are not intellectually engaged with their faith and do not have sound arguments for Christian theism and good answers to their children's questions, which my kids are 10, 9, and 6, and they're asking questions, mm -hmm. you know, dad, what is it? How is God good if he, if this happened? Right. You know, I just, you can take that out so many directions, but so the kids are asking questions. So it goes on to say this. It says, then we are in real danger of losing our youth. It's no longer enough to teach our children Bible stories. They need doctrine and apologetics. And it goes on to say, unfortunately, our churches, and I'm saying Kingsway because I love that we're doing here. Our churches have largely dropped the ball in this area. It says, we've got to train our kids, and I would say ourselves, for war. We dare not send them out to public high school or in the public arena and university armed with rubber swords and plastic armor. The time for playing games is in the past. Wow. I love that. And I've applied that to myself and my kids. And, you know, we're going through some apology. There are some devotionals out there that have apologetics. And so, um, yeah, I, I just, I've been really, uh, my eyes have kind of been open. I've really loved digging into this. And yeah. I just, I'm excited for believers that kind of think, oh, this is cool. I want to dig in. There, there's just a lot to glean from that. Yeah. If, if you want to continue this conversation a step further, please reach out to us. Kyle has lots of resources. Again, some are in the show notes. Uh, maybe you have a specific question that you have or that someone has asked you and you don't know where to go for that. We would love to connect you with those resources. Uh, one that Pastor Matt likes to recommend for, for both parents and teenagers, A Case for Christ, the student edition. It's a nice, easy read. It's a small book and it goes over you know several different topics. There's lots of resources as well we would love to connect you with. So please reach out to us. Kyle, Thanks for your time today. For sure.